So welcome, uh, Darren, welcome to Foul Players Radio. It's a pleasure to have you here. And uh, it was very, it's been nice to meet you. I've met you amongst a lot of other people through the SJ network lately. And uh, welcome aboard and uh, good to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I uh, I like your setup here. This is uh, this is a neat uh, a neat idea. I like your microphone too. That's uh, old school, eh? Oh no, it's well, it's it looks old school. It's actually pretty new school here. It's a sure, but I uh, it has that old school look to it. You know, the old uh, old radio hall, the old uh, the old yeah. Sennheiser and the old nineteen uh, forties radio station kind of look here. I love it. I love it. It's a good microphone too, and I kind of like your setup as well. You know, I, I like your whole studio there. I've got to get myself a studio look. You know, I'm building one in my garage right now that's not quite done. But yeah. I like I like how you've got your uh, your big Lebowski thing going there with uh, your DK project in the back, and uh, you've got a can of something that says DK on it. What's that? Custom mug. Look at that old school microphone on there. Can you see that one? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. For me, kind of cool. I also have the uh, not that this is great podcasting, but I also have the big Lebowski candle. Oh yeah, yeah in that for the uh for the old boy he's not doing so well yeah i heard that i heard that yeah, what a shame man it, it is it is that's a shame he's such an icon you know he and, and not only because of that role but so many other things he's done he's just done such a great job in yeah yeah he really has it's 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 interesting how often that reference comes up in my world i don't know why mm-hmm. you know there was a time period where I, you know, I was referenced as the dude quite, quite a bit. So maybe, maybe that's what it is. It's, it's something, I don't know, but, uh, we, uh, uh we got to hope for the best that he'll pull out of that. But anyway, uh, the DK project is, uh, my podcast and, uh, we are, we're kind of comedy based, uh, morning show, kind of a variety show. Okay. Uh, what, how it all started was, uh, you know, my, my now brother-in-law, he's, he, uh, he'd been my best friend since I was like eight. And, uh, you know, we've, we've cataloged all these great memories together and we were going to write a movie mm-hmm. we could get the movie to stick. We never had all the pieces to the puzzle, but we had all these, you know, and still to, you know, every day I talk to him and we laugh our asses off and have a good time. Um, so anyway, I, uh, two and a half years ago, I started on morning radio cause it's always been on my dream list to be on the radio and, uh, turned out that station owner and the format wasn't really my forte. So I just decided, Hey, why don't I build a podcast studio and we'll do this movie and we'll make it into a podcast. Cause we've been listening to uh, the Pete and Sebastian show for since it started. I think it's been out for like seven years, every episode. Mm-hmm. We've kind of modeled our show after that, which, you know, obviously there are different people than, you know, living in different worlds than we are, but, uh, and it worked out great, you know, for a, for a strong year, year and a, and a little bit. He, you know, he was, he was the, the, the ultimate co-host. We had stories on top of stories and we'd interview people and we'd bring in guests from time to time, but then, you know, life gets in the way as always. And his uh, real business kind of took off. So what I've done is kind of brought in some other co-hosts um, because we're going to try and go to three shows a week okay. and make a morning show so that, um, you know, if you're looking for local, not news, but like our funny take on news or our funny take on current sports, and, uh, you know, you'll be able to we'll, we'll record in the morning and it'll be available early afternoon. So you can get not real time, but about as close as you can get with podcasting. Okay. Uh, you know, 
and then you know down the road there's been talk of like youtube live or some of these live streaming things to where if you wanted to get it live you could um make it a real morning show uh, but we're still in the infancy and kind of moving all the pieces together right now we're pumping out about uh two two shows a week moving moving to three i'm just kind of putting a few missing pieces together right we're having a blast it's it's been the funnest thing i've done <laughs> ever it time. is I find it enjoyable myself too. I started doing it about five years ago and then I've been doing it on my own for about the, almost the last three now and the people that you meet and you know, the content that you put out and everything and just, you know, the people that are willing to sit down and talk and share their stories and everything. I find it really enjoyable, you know, um, you know, it, it's almost, I mean, the goal of mine and I'm sure yours is probably pretty similar in a lot of ways. Um, it's almost like an oral history of some people's careers when you have them on, you know? Um, and then, you know, mine's almost like an oral history of, you know, entertainment around here. Now mine's gotten a little more national lately, as I'm sure yours probably has bringing in the guests as part of SJ. Um, but, um, it, it is, it's enjoyable. You kind of get to put your own spin on it. You get to have interesting people on there. Um, people get an opportunity to listen to you and hear of people they may have not heard before, or they're, you know, it's good for people that are, uh, you know, to, you know, to encourage people that are, you know, not as well-versed or not as established, you know, to get their movies and TV shows and plugs out there and everything. There's a lot of great connections to be made. The networking in this industry is phenomenal. You know, mm -hmm. I come from an industry where we don't, we don't network at all. And, right. Uh, it's really been refreshing to get out and meet people and some of the people that I've interviewed and, and the stories that, you know, we've, they've told, it's just fascinating on, you know, everybody's got their own little thing going on in their own little world. You know, even though right now we're all being separated by the pandemic and whatnot, it's, it's really interesting to, you know, take a 45 minute deep dive into somebody and try and ask the questions that, you know, maybe people are wanting to know, but more that other people haven't asked and, and questions that, you know, not the standard cookie cutter crap, you know, give me something, something deep, you know, and, and have fun with it. I've, I've interviewed a lot of people who, uh, you know, you know, you got to loosen them up. You got to chisel, chisel away the hard candy shell in the beginning and, and then, you know, have some fun with them. And boy, I've had some great ones on. We've really, you know, uh, gotten, in depth with a few people and, and, you know, we'll do follow-ups, you know, where we'll circle back with them and see what's, you know, what's been happening or how this or that came together. I, you know, I, I've really run into some interesting people and, and learned a lot, you know, there's a lot mm -hmm. on that, that the everyday person just doesn't, isn't aware of, you know, because they're not, they're going to their job, they're punching in, they're going back home and they're, you know, feeding the dog and running the kids or whatever the hell you do. And, so it's, it's nice to kind of throw that out there. And, you know, there's what, 1.6 million podcasters out there right now, which thanks to the pandemic, you know, that, <laughs> it seems like everybody with a microphone is doing something now. It um, really, yeah, there is. But yeah. It, and that, you know, that same thing happened in real estate, you know, when, when everybody was making a ton of money in real estate, everybody jumped in and, you know, just like that, they'll go away go back to their real jobs once they can and things get back to normal. So it's, it's just interesting and it's interesting to see all the different formats and different types of podcasts that are out there. I, uh, I have a fun time cause you can't really spin down the dial and look, you know, just come across a, a radio station anymore. You have to like kind of search for certain genres or certain, you know, whatever. Uh -huh. 
So obviously it makes it more of a challenge to uh, get listeners because, you know, they're not going to just come across you. You have to find a way to get to them unless it's word of mouth, you know, of course, because in the olden days with terrestrial radio, they could just spin the dial and, you know, maybe find something new or hit scan and then find something new uh-huh. or with podcasts, you know, they gotta, they gotta kind of be looking for you. So it, it's a different, uh, it's a different dynamic uh, than what we're used to. Right. And the thing is, I think that's a, that's good about podcasting. And, and the thing, thing I really like about it is that there's a whole bunch of them that I listen to as well is that, you know, when you get in the car and go somewhere, you can find exactly what you want to listen to. It makes your drive enjoyable and you're listening to the show. Yeah. You know, a lot of times with terrestrial radio, I mean, they're stuck with the regular schedule. You yeah. Know, and if you're not in, and if you, if, you know, if I didn't want to listen to, you know, um, whoever was on there at the time, then I was kind of SOL, you know, with this, it gives you a lot more choice. You can go to it whenever you want to and listen to it over and over and over. If you like, you can pick um, where you left off. That's always nice in case you got to make some stops or whatever. I, you know, we've got a local morning show here that is kind of what inspired me to get into radio way back when I was in high school, mm-hmm. but it, it, it was, and it still is a race to turn the channel and, you know, cause as soon as they sign off, I do not want to hear that next guy who comes in and definitely don't want to hear the music he's going to play. And that's just me, but it's like, they're still playing, you know, seventies and eighties rock that they've, I, I, those CDs have to be worn out. They've played them so many times. Mm-hmm. It's like a playlist, but the morning show is decent, but I'm even noticing and I, and I really noticed this when I started on the radio was that they're, they're missing their, their demographic. Like they're, they're, it's, it's funny how, you know, uh, Howard Stern's been able to evolve with, with the times, uh-huh. but some of these other ones, you can tell when the combination isn't appealing to millennials or, or, you know, a little, a little younger than millennials or a little older than millennials because they, they, they're struggling. They're bringing in new people all the time and they're, you know, mixing it all up. And it's, and it's kind of interesting to see because you don't think of that, you know, you just think, yeah, well, they're on, we'll listen. And, and, uh, but from a, from a growth standpoint, some of these stations have had the same jo- disc jockeys on there for 30 years. And it's like, you got to freshen it up, man. Come on. There's a one local station that I bug all the time. Cause I'm like, uh-huh. I could, I could triple your numbers in your, in your uh, morning show because you just, you know, it's classic country radio, which I really like the music, uh-huh. uh, but their morning guys are just real monotone, real bait. You know, and it's like, if you put a little pulse in that thing, woof, there's no telling what could happen. So oh, absolutely. Right, right. The moving target all the time. You never, you know, you never know. Yeah. And one thing I would say too, is that and, and one of the things I just didn't like about, uh, you know, about, um, you know, classic rock radio and things like that. I mean, I, I love classic rock. You know, I, I grew up in the seventies and eighties and that's the music that I love, you know, seventies and eighties rock, the classic rock, especially the heavier stuff, but unless you a DJ for one of those stations, right. An eighties rock. <laughs> exactly. 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 But the problem is, is that, um, you know, I, I always loved Led Zeppelin, but it's like, there's just certain songs of theirs. I never need to hear again. Oh yeah. They play like four of them, you, you know, know analog, but they play like four songs. I mean, it would be great. And, and that's why I think, you know, internet radio and podcasting and other things like that really, do a good service to people because there are so many albums out there of artists that we all love with great deep cuts yeah, that you never get to hear on the radio. And that, and like that even local bands don't even perform, you well, know, it, 
Yes. And that is exactly the station I was talking about. There's, there's songs that they play where you're like, you can almost set your watch to it. I know they're going to play it every day at this time. Like, just get rid of that garbage. You don't need it anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. And you know, it, so if they could just, you know, and, and the thing is, I mean, there, there's a whole process behind the songs that get played on the radio. You know, their, their arrangements are made to have these songs played and all of that stuff. So, it, you know, you, you can't really buck that because then there's rights and there's royalties and there's a budget that the station's running on. But I mean, come on, you know, drop a back of the rack song or something like that. Or, you know, there's songs, you know, cause you got like, like a fresh Zeppelin tune you haven't heard in a while. It's like, Oh yeah. Right. But, you know, Oh, I'm with you, man. I, I totally get it. And that's, and that's one of the reasons why that drove me to podcasts. It's either podcasts or audiobooks because a lot of, and, and definitely when you travel and you go to different cities, you know, yeah, I don't want to spin around and look for the right station. I just want to, you know, put some noise on, or I want to listen to a certain conversation or something. Mm -hmm. And it's much easier with, well, satellite radio has made it a lot easier, but um, with podcasts, you know, I've got my, I don't know. I probably have a core group of right now. There's probably three or four that I listen to religiously every week. Same, you know, have to have to hear them, but mm -hmm. then there's probably another three or four that like, I'll see what they're doing. You know, I'll see if they get somebody good on or what's happening mm -hmm. uh, because there's always variety and it's, and it's, Really, you know, you take like a Joe Rogan who's, you know, made ridiculous amounts of money now doing this. You know, he's a great interviewer and he gets great guests, but, you know, he didn't just start either. He's one of the originals. Yeah, he's been at it for a long time. Him and like Adam Carolla mm -hmm. and a bunch of other ones are really, you know, the, uh, you know, the grandfathers of, uh, yeah. of this genre here. And they've done very well with it. They've, you know, they've gotten their own, you know, they've just gotten the right conversation. Uh, the right combination where they're able to uh, appeal to a lot of people and make, you know, good money doing it and keep people employed and everything. And um, I'm still trying to find that myself. You know, it's it, uh, I thought I was listening to Adam Carolla's show for a while. Mm -hmm. I really found that it's really kind of a scattered collage of Adam Carolla stuff. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I, he came to town for a show and I, I kind of, like I, I see a lot of comedians. Like that's my thing. I don't golf. I don't fish. I don't do any of that. I, you know, travel to see comedians and then I do my podcast. That's where all my money goes. But, uh, I, you know, I, I went to see him. He came to town. So I brought my wife. I'm like, Hey, let's go check this out. And it was some weird kind of show that he was doing. And it was in a different venue than I was used to, but I actually left. I walked out. It was, uh -huh. it was like him on a stage with a big screen going through his childhood photo album, talking about the pictures in his photo album. It, I, I'm like, am I being punked here? Like what's going on? This is ridiculous. I, so we left, I didn't even stay for the whole show. It was like, and people, that place was packed. I'm like, I, come on. That's not saying much, but you know, once you get to a certain level, like, uh adam carolla or you know joe rogan's in a whole nother world but people are just going because of the name you know mm -hmm. like recognize the name right but I tell you i've seen joe rogan twice now i think and th th it's not even the same game like he, he he is so good at podcasting but his true passion is stand-up comedy mm -hmm. and he is the best there is i mean dave Chappelle. you know i mean there's some other legendary ones out there, but he's probably like the, 
you know, the Richard Pryor of our time. Like he is just so well constructed. His jokes, everything is solid. You know, I, I would put him up against anybody. And uh, they actually just did a double bill with uh, Joe Rogan and Dave Chappelle. That would have been, that would have been solid money right there. Those guys are, you know, that's as good as it gets right now. But I, you know, that helps his, his, his podcast exposure really helps his, his draw on his comedic run, you know, cause not everybody knows. Mm -hmm. I mean, you go down the street and ask people, they don't know Joe Rogan does comedy. They remember him from fear factor and they remember him from his podcast. Right. Right. Or boxing or whatever, or martial arts or whatever he does too. Yeah. I've been doing I've been doing some voiceover for uh, a UFC YouTube channel, mm -hmm. um, and they and they you know these big long whatevers. But I tell you, I do a lot of stuff in voiceover. But saying those UFC fighter names is <laughs> the biggest challenge <laughs> in my life. Like they absolutely have no phonetic nothing to them. They're just garbage thrown together. Mm -hmm. If you're going to be a champion UFC fighter. Why don't you have a stage name? Like, why don't you come up with something somebody could say? <laughs> it is really to, to the point where I'm like questioning whether I want to continue to do it or not. Oh, yeah. You can't even ask anybody. They're like, I don't know how you say that. Uh, yeah. Are they uh, like, it's like you know, a lot of long foreign names and everything that you know, are probably in that country that they're from could be like Bob Smith, you know, but <laughs> you look on YouTube and you'll get three different, four different interpretations of how it, it should be said. And it's like, right. well, who, you know, who's right. Who's wrong. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's crazy, but he's doing that stuff live. Like, mm -hmm. you know, during the, during the event, it really makes you go, wow. It's, you know, mm -hmm. good for him. He's, he's got it. He, he just signed a hundred million dollar deal. Come on. That's crazy. That is, that's insane. That's Hey, I wish I was, you know, I, <laughs> yeah. year, on his, yeah. uh, he just did a new Sears XM for a five-year contract, hundred million bucks a year. Mm. <laughs> Jeez, a whiz, man. That's something. Boy, have, that gives you something to shoot for. Budget, but I could live on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, I know you, one thing, and I don't know if you've ever come across this too. Um, I'm also a musician. Um, and, uh, you know, one thing, you know, when I was playing a lot, I don't play as much anymore. You know, we still get out and play a bit. I've, playing an acoustic do I used to do full bands for years and years and years. Um, I got tired of all the personalities as you, know, you kind of mentioned, you get, you know, so I whittled it down from a full band into just two people. Yeah. And, um, so, and we, when we play about five or 10 times a year and it's a, it's almost like a comedy act and a two acoustic guitars and a comedy act. And, um, the one thing that I've, you know, um, come across and i find that i do this as a habit is people say oh you remind me of this or you remind me of this act or that act you're similar to them i make it a point not to listen to those people because i'm afraid i'm going to inadvertently rip them off or have something in one of my songs that sounds like one of theirs and i'm scared to death of getting into trouble or being accused of being imitative of somebody or trying to cop somebody else's act have you ever run into something like that you know uh it's funny you say that i i did a podcast earlier today on my show and the person i was talking to had two pictures behind and they were like you know i don't want to have to pay any royalties and i'm like what that's crazy but i get um you know it's funny you say that cuz i get uh, a lot of times I get a lot of people that reference Bill Murray, uh, uh -huh. you know, with me, but I was in, uh, 
a town, I don't know, probably 25 minutes north of here. And, uh, and I had, I think I had a hat on and I went in and it was a coffee shop and I, and, and the lady ahead of me was taking forever. And the little lady behind the counter was whatever. And then I finally get up to the counter the gate, she's just going hundred miles an hour. And I'm like, I just need a black coffee with, uh, you know, a couple ice cubes. And uh, she's like, is that it for you? I'm like, yeah, that's it for me. She goes, you're not Bill Murray, are you? I'm like, no, no, no. You know, I, and then I thought, well, if my coffee's going to be free, then maybe I am, you know, <laughs> no, it's not me. And then she turns around and looks at me and she goes, you'd tell me if you were right. I'm like, well, yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> this thing ever. I'm like, yeah, okay. And I don't, you know, my opinion, I don't look like him. I, I did at one time. I look, you know, I, I put on a few LBs since then, but uh, it was the strangest thing, but I do get that more often than not hmm. uh, where people will say that kind of thing, but I don't worry about any of that crap. You know, with my, uh, we used to use some short snippets of music in the podcast before we went on YouTube. And now when you go to YouTube, that just doesn't go very far. Hmm. Uh, but you know, it, it for me, it's like, hey, I'll, I'll take the attention. If you guys want to, you know, start a, a war over you said this or you said that or copyright this, you know, I'm not stealing anything. I'm not using songs. I'm not doing any of that. All my podcast stuff. Uh, actually, that's another interesting story is when I did my podcast intro, I wanted my intro song to sound like um, Welcome Back, Carter. Uh, is it Welcome Back, Carter? No, it's just Welcome Back. I don't even Cotter. Know. Welcome Back, Cotter. Is that what it is? That's and, what's the show, but there was a song by uh, John Sebastian. You know, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Yeah. And my producer at the time was this like 22-year-old kid, and it was perfect. He was magical with everything. But we didn't, you know, much like you said before, you just don't relate because like my Caddyshack jokes don't relate to a 22-year-old. They don't, he don't know what that is, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sat down, we went to his studio he sat down and pulled out every instrument you could imagine from the, the to the clapping to bass guitar. He played every instrument and made that welcome back original mm -hmm. used for my, my deal. And I paid handsomely for it, believe me, but um, actually it wasn't that bad, but it was so magical to watch. I almost got more out of watching him make that music by ear, just by ear. And, and it was like, wow mm. there's a lot of you know different avenues to that to, uh, you know but but it but it was really when you see somebody with their craft like that like like he yeah you know, maybe 25 i don't know but just every instrument no problem played it by ear filled in the spot for the for the deal and you know i don't know what you use for software but he had uh pro tools going and he must have had 10 or 11 tracks in there with all the different instruments He's like, you hear that clapping in there? We got to do the clapping. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't hear anything. And uh, here it is. You know, it sounds perfect and it's original, so we can use it. Uh, but yeah, we modeled it after that. It was pretty funny. Um, but he, you know, to see someone do that, it's it's awesome. So if you're, uh, you know, making music and comedy, I mean, hats off to you, man. I'd, I'd love to go do stand-up comedy once, and I think someday I will. Mm -hmm. But when you're doing music and you're in front of people and you're singing, oh man, <laughs> I, I it's 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 kind of strange. We're the the kind of act that we have. We're called the Uncle Moldy Show. There's two of us, and the the actual the comedy is um some I mean some people have compared us to the Smothers Brothers. I mean we play acoustic guitars, 
But the thing is, the comedy, the Smothers Brothers would play straight songs, just regular folk songs, but their comedy was the back and forth between the two of them. Sure, sure. You know, um, you know, my band partner isn't really a crowd talker, so I pretty much do all the talking. The comedy is like pretty much me bantering with the crowd and yeah. the punchlines are in the songs. Nice. Okay. But the thing is, it's that, and what I run into is that, the thing is, is that true stand-up comedians don't respect acts like ours. And they also, for a lot of the reasons why they don't respect people like Carrot Top, or they're kind of considered outsiders because they're not up there just speaking and delivering their own wit. You got, you got something else. You have something else up there with you. So, uh, you know, I mean, some people, some stand-ups don't look down on it, but others do. So that's, that, that's why we don't do a lot of comedy clubs. You know, we've done like one or two over the years, but we didn't really, um, the people liked it, but the other comedians didn't, and they weren't exactly warm and fuzzy to us. Um, you know that, well, you know what that reminds me of is, uh, Williams and Ree. Uh, huh. You ever hear them? Ah, Williams and Indian and the white guy. That's what they used to go by. Oh, really? No. Yeah, that's real. And it, uh, they were, maybe they were, maybe they were were local to here. I don't know, but Mm -hmm. they, uh, they sang some stuff. There's no way they could ever see the light of day in this modern era. There's bad Mm -hmm. news, but it, it was, it was, you know, I was whatever, 12, 13 year old kid. It was funny to listen to. They'd make jokes and sing and, you know, about how, you know, Ford is found on road dead and, and Pontiac and, you know, they, they had little, but they were words that you can't say now. Oh yeah. Know? Yeah. But it was, it was funny as hell. And that, that's what, you know, what you're telling me, that kind of reminds me of that where you're kind of throwing a little in, but yet, you know, entertain, mm-hmm. are you doing all original tunes? Yeah. Oh man. Look at you. All original stuff. Yeah. We've got close to 50 songs now. Not all of our songs are funny songs. Yeah. You know, I'd say probably about 25 of them, 25 of them are funny. Then there's probably about another 10 that I think are funny, but nobody else does. And <laughs> well, you know, that that's where I would be concerned is if you have 50 songs in your catalog, uh-huh. I, 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 cause I, I sit around the house all day and I could come up with little, little ditties, you know, little tunes, but how do you make sure that this guitar riff isn't stealing from a, a stones riff or, you know, like we were saying earlier, like, how do you, how do you make sure that this doesn't sound like brown eyed girl? This is blue eyed girl. It's different. You know, like, how do you know? You just, cause uh, you can't possibly know every song that's out there in the universe. You can't, you can't. Um, I mean, I just, when I write something, um, yeah, I just go with it. I just go with it. And if, and if it doesn't ring a bell, I mean, cause there's been times when I've been writing something, I'm like, Oh no, wait a minute. That's this song. We can't do that. Um, yeah, or at least we don't record it and try to, you know, release it or anything under our name. Right. Um, right. So, I mean, it, it, it's gotta be impossible to know. I mean, and just like too, when you're doing stand up comedy, you know, it's impossible to know that somebody didn't say a joke that you, know, you, you think of a joke and it's impossible that some other comedian didn't have the same idea 30 years ago. There's some comedian you never heard of that played it, that said it in a club that you've never heard of. You know, and it's possible, you know, I mean, you know, the law of averages and the law of probability would say that's going to happen, you know, but, but I also think too, that that's different than 
you know, going out and, you know, like, like some comedians do, they go to comedy clubs, they write down other people's material and they go out and do their material behind their back. And there have been a lot of comedians over the years that have been joke stealers that do that kind of thing. And and that's really not cool. You know, some of them got away with it because of who they were. I'm not going to mention names, but I've heard some pretty prestigious people have done that. Um, but you know, but that's what I try to do. I try to, um, cause like, you know, people actually compared us to tenacious D the Jack black thing. Sure. So I made it a point never to listen to tenacious D I have no problem with Jack black. I'm he's a fine actor. He's a fine musician. I've heard him play. I've seen his movies. He's a fine person. I have nothing against him as a human, but I am just not going to do anything. That's going to get me right. doing something that could be conceived as ripping him off. So I'm just going to put that out of my mind. There's no such thing as those guys. I'm not going to listen to it until I decide to give up one day. Then maybe I'll go back and listen to it, but I'm just not going to do anything that could possibly pull something from them into my act. You know, uh, who was it that said that I, that seems like a long shot, especially if you're doing acoustic stuff. Right. Right. That tenacious D stuff is like garbage that people our age doesn't listen to. <laughs> right. Know? Right. Not all like, uh, you know, but I haven't heard his old collection, so maybe mm-hmm. some of I don't, but that's funny. Cause it's, it's interesting when people can relate you to somebody completely off the wall that you would never, you know, like Jack Black's a, really, he's an actor and he does this music thing on the side, mm-hmm. but he's gone quite a ways with it. But like, if, you know, and I haven't seen you perform or anything, but never in a million years would I would think those two would connect. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's interesting to, to, you know, it'd be fun to talk to those people and say, how, how are you making this connection? Because, you know, just like me with Bill Murray, like I, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I would think more than anything, some of my mannerisms, not my look. Um, but it's, it's interesting how people perceive you and, and your relate, you know, it's, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. I got, now I got to dig up some YouTube of you, uh, jamming on the stage somewhere. It's I'll send be- you some. Yeah. Do you have albums out? Um, we have one CD out, but I actually have, um, I don't even think it's out anymore. Um, but I'll send you, um, some YouTube stuff and I'll send you some video clips to watch <laughs> just to get a feel for what we do. And, uh, and, th- and the other thing that you had mentioned too, is that, um, being aware of the crowd that we're performing in front of, you know, we- we've made some jokes and I've done so many of them that, you know, people our age and I'm, um, I'm 51, you know, I'm a generation X, our generation the baby boomers before us would get the joke, but these millennials have no idea. Like they're like, what? Who's that? Huh? You know, offended. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or they'll get offended, but you know, something too, there's a, when, and I, I do, you know, go out to comedy clubs from time to time. Cause when we do our, you know, the uncle moldy show. And then when we do, um, I also perform with a troupe and, uh, we don't, make any money off of this or anything but what we do is it's me um a fella and a girl three of us and we go out and we perform just to warm up for other comedians um old old comedy bits abbott and costello um nichols and may oh my uh bob and ray you remember those guys but they sound awesome yeah, Bob and Bob and Ray, Bob Elliott was Chris Elliott's father. Oh, really? Yeah. 
and they started in radio back in the 40s and they you'd see them on tv and radio throughout the years and um i think bob elliott just passed away oh in the last couple of years he was like 96 or something he was really up there but do do yourself i have a homework i'll give you a homework assignment yeah um how, how often do you do that that's like it's just is you like layers of an onion here that's yeah. like a whole other deal when you go up and you sing your tunes mm-hmm. that's one thing when you go up and do comedy and it's your comedy that's one thing mm-hmm. but when you go up in front of people and try and do other people's shtick mm-hmm. that's not easy to do because yeah there's a lot of pieces to that that need to be just right otherwise you're gonna have a rough night right and the thing is is that when we do this Again, we, we don't take any credit for writing that material and we don't take any pay for it either, you know, so we're not making money off of somebody else's back. We're just strictly doing it to put something on stage to warm up for some comedians and people know who that is. Like if you came out and did, we, we announce who it is. We say who it is. We'll say, this is a bit by Nichols and may it's called, you know, this, this is, uh, Bob and Ray, the Komodo dragon, um, you know, and we'll do them. And then, um, but we don't take any money for it. You know, we would never do anything like make money off of that without getting permission or do anything that's like considered unethical. You but know. how does it relate? Like, so the, the Komodo dragon one, I, you know, you obviously found it very funny when, you know, when it was live or when it was actually current and now you're doing it to an audience who has no idea who these people are and came to they, see whoever, how, how does it received? They actually like it. Really? They actually like it. They actually like it now. But now on the other hand, yeah, and this is something too, where um, I'd say, God, it was probably about a year and a half ago. We were performing. Um, we were out. We had a show to do this. And um, a couple of people came to see us. But before we performed, actually, there were a couple of girls that were there. And um I got to say again, you know, I'm no prude. You know, when I was 18 years old, you know, I used to listen to Dice and Kennison and stuff like that. But these girls were actually about, you know, they were like, you know, light years beyond those two. Okay. And it was to the point where I was almost embarrassed because the thing was, was that it was, um, really, really dirty, really, really, you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel but it wasn't that funny really you know i mean it seemed like it was more for shock value yeah. and and um i was glad my wife didn't come to see us that night because i would have been embarrassed in front of my wife yeah and, and and when you embarrass me that's saying something you know and uh, and there are a lot of people nowadays that are comics nowadays that um you know i i guess there's sort of a genre out there of you know um just beyond sleaze i guess it is uh that a lot of them do um part that i don't understand is 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 and i find it right now you're spot on with the the women mm -hmm. and i equate it to this if i'm doing a set and i'm making fat jokes and i'm i'm a heavier dude yeah yeah. that's like you know it's or if you're a a black person you're making black jokes Mm -hmm. it just feels to me like that's cheating you know that's a slow you're not being funny you're taking all the gravy off the top that's easy you know mm-hmm. like it's it's easy for me to make fat joke. i could do that all day 
but I find a lot with women that that's their cheat is to go to stuff that they can't say when they're not on stage. Right. Right. Graphic gratuitous, just like, what are you, who, well, you know, what do your parents think of you kind of thing? Right. And really, you know, cause I, I watch a lot of stuff on Netflix and, and I follow a few women, but boy, it is so easy for them to go so far off the rails where you're like, that's mm-hmm. not, that's just, you're looking at like shock comedy there. And I, I, you know, maybe some people like that, but I, you know, I guess if you're a person who wants to hear a woman talk like that, or, you know, even a man, even if a man's just in the gutter, mm-hmm. you know, who wants to hear that I, if people, I don't know, I'm sure they're out there, mm-hmm. but it's just kind of a, I look at it like, you know, that's the low hanging fruit. It, you know, it's too easy for, for women to, you know, talk about men being pigs or whatever, you know, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because I, you know, how did, did you say anything to him? How did you handle it? I didn't say anything to him, but there was a lady, um, a, a friend of ours, a friend of my wife and mine that came to see us and, you know, she was watching these girls and she said that, you know, if I wasn't waiting for you to come on, I just would have gotten up and left. You what know, what thinks of that? Like, yeah, I don't a- know. Yeah. I'm, and the thing is, it's like, and I'm not trying to say, you know, that, you know, you know, a female comic can't get up and do whatever they want to say, you know, I mean, it's up to them. They want to do it. If it works for them, that's funny. But, um, you know, I, I just feel like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's a free country. They can get up and say what they want. Maybe I'm wrong for criticizing it or whatever, but, um, it was just like, just way off the rails. Yeah. You know, just way off the rails. And, uh, and there are a lot of, I know a, not, a lot of other, you know, female comedians that really feel the same way about that. You know, um, I mean, I worked with Tina Fey last year. Yeah. And I got to tell you what, Tina Fey, I mean, you know, she, she can get a little edgy once in a while, but I think she's an absolute genius. Really? She is an absolute genius. I've watched a lot of her shows like Kimmy Schmidt, like uh, 30 Rock. It, where she's been a big part of the writing of these shows. Yeah. And um, I happen to find that stuff hilarious because I, and the thing is like, I, I like with her, a lot of the references that she makes because she's in my age group. I think she and I are close in age. I might be a little bit older than her. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, you know, and you know, plus having worked with her last year and seen how she works behind the scenes and works the humor in and everything, she's top of the line. You know, she's, yeah, I've heard you know. good things. I know, uh, I know she's a real force, uh, in, in the comedy world. She's, mm-hmm. she's very funny. I, uh, I, I don't always agree with her politically and her, some of her views, but that's sure. Whole- sure. Well, that's, you know, but she, with that 30 rock, uh, she, that was on forever. That was huge. Mm-hmm. It was a big deal. And I, I, um, she was on Saturday night live for a long time. Yeah, she was, she was. And, um, and not only performing, but writing, as well you know yeah. um and her husband he's also he was like the uh head of the uh the musical director on saturday night live for a number of years and he was also a big part of the kimmy schmidt really and uh, yes 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 and um he, he's just absolutely brilliant too and um you, you know the thing is that's really good about you know getting into these movies and te- television shows and having a bit part, you know, you're doing a small part and you're there and 
everything is going on. You know, you have a small part. You don't have that much to remember. You don't have that much to focus on. So you get the opportunity to watch. Mm. You really get the opportunity to watch. And especially when I did Gotham, I didn't have any lines. You know, my character's name was Dale. I got shot by uh, Mr. Penn. I was one of the Penguin's henchmen, and I was supposed to be a big dumb guy. He was deaf, dumb, and mute, and dumb as a post. Okay. So I got to be on there. And um, (laughs) so um, I'll tell you how I passed the audition was by making dumb faces. Okay. I actually, I auditioned. I've told this story a lot. I've auditioned for, um, I auditioned for, um, you know, uh, Gotham. I had two parts I was auditioning for in that episode. One of them was a humanoid that was killing people. They lived in an underground tunnel and whenever people would come in, he would rip people to shreds. So to audition for that part, I had to snarl and growl and act like the Tasmanian devil. (laughs) And the, th- and the thing that sucked about that was uh, the thing that would have sucked about getting that part. I mean, it would have been great to get that part, but the problem was, was that they only showed the person's face like in a blur because it was during a fight. Oh, okay. Now the part that I got was the character's name was Dale and Dale was like, I said, a big, dumb mute guy who just walked around and to, to pass that audition, I had to make dumb faces, you know? So I'm just like. You're reacting to what they were reading out of the script. I'm like, they're like, we want him. All right. So, you know, really all I had to do was, you know, I had, I had a couple of things I had to do. I had to carry a tray of food in. I had to put it down. I had to answer a door, but I didn't have any lines, you know? So, but I was watching the director, you know, move people around the room, set up different shots, watching the actors doing different things, you know, watching, you know, how, hair and makeup took care of people watching how the lighting guys were moving the lighting around and everything. And, um, I had a small part too, in the, uh, Kimmy Schmidt, where um, I had a couple of lines in that one with the main characters, but I didn't, um, again, you know, I got a chance to do a lot of watching yeah. as well. And, um, it, both of them were just, you know, absolute educations and they're just wonderful, wonderful experiences, you know? so cool i i yeah i you know with the 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 voiceover stuff that i do i um you know i had the chance to go to ireland uh for like a i don't know what like a retreat they call it you know and i um i spent a week over there with some of the best in the business and it was just fascinating to i was way too early in my career to be there like it was a you know the, the guy who was putting the whole thing on was a friend of mine or is a friend of mine. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and he kind of like, you know, nudged me that way and, and, and took care of me on setting everything up. But anyway, uh, you know, we show up and you got the chauffeur taking you to the, the big castle and, and then some of the biggest names in the industry were there. Uh, one lady doing uh, character voices, just, you know, rattling them off like a, you and I talking now, like everything from bunnies to babies to everything. <laughs> And then, you know, uh, Joe Cipriano was there. Who's like, you know, when you hear the voice on Fox or the voice on, uh, I think CBS, you know, tonight on the Simpsons that he did that for a long time. So just to see these people in action and, and much like you're saying, it's just, it's just fascinating because they've been in it for so long. They know all the ups and downs and ins and outs. And, you know, they, they're done with all the, you know, fun to be on set bullshit. And they, they, they're like doing it like, mm-hmm. you know, way established 
and it's just fun to see them do their craft, you know, and then they're good at it. Mm -hmm. So it really is inspiring to where I would imagine if you can spend all day on set and that Kimmy Schmidt thing, that's a big, that's a big movie, like a, a, a real deal. Like, cause mm -hmm. it was a show and then they made movies, right? Yeah. They made a movie out of the show. Yeah. And yeah. Um, uh, it's a big, it's a big deal. Big draw. You should be, you should be on the cover of uh, Teen Beat or something any day now, right? <laughs> Tiger Beat, yeah, whatever. <laughs> We're 16. <laughs> We're showing our age, yeah. We'd have a room full of millennials saying, what's that? 16, <laughs> Teen Beat, Tiger Beat, you know. <laughs> that was, um, yeah, um, it, you know, it, it, it was pretty well received. You know, it was nominated for two Emmys, you know, because it was, um, wasn't an Oscar, it would have been an Emmy because it was actually considered since it went to netflix it was actually considered a tv movie because it didn't go out in theaters i guess so uh titus burgess got nominated for best uh male actor what's that the bald guy yes yes he and he's good. hilarious and then um the whole movie itself got nominated i think it was for best comedy movie maybe really yeah Wow. Did you get to go to the, the award show? No, no. <laughs> was it 2020 where nobody got to go? Um, well, it was, you know, I, I don't think, I think it was really only for the main, main characters Yeah. because the thing was, was that, you know, I didn't, ha I wasn't like part of the show. I was just a character that was in the movie yeah. and I was just somebody that they kind of met in passing. I wasn't somebody that had like a big storyline or a backstory or was a regular uh, sure. But the interesting thing about that movie was that um, that was the second th the second project I got to be in that had Carol Kane and I didn't get the meter on either one. Oh, really? Yeah. That. Yep. It was uh, Gotham was the first one because um, she was played Oswald Cobblepot's mother in Gotham, and she had actually died two or three seasons before I was on, and then in the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Uh, the movie she was filming somewhere else. Um, she wasn't in the scene that I was in. She was filming somewhere else. And she that she fits that Gotham part perfectly. She could work at Batman movies her whole life. Mm -hmm. it, it, you uh, you missed a golden opportunity there. That would have been a a, a good uh, meet and greet right there. Oh, absolutely. Yes, yeah, she and she's absolutely delightful from what I heard from other people. Um, both people on Kimmy Schmidt and on Gotham said she's just an absolute delight to work with. Um, just a very, very nice person and very, very talented actress too. She's just an excellent actress. Yeah. Yeah. You well, know? I hear that a lot of, a lot about people who are well-established in the industry and have been around a while. Like I think all the, the people that are a pain in the ass get weeded out. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. Because a lot of times when you hear about these people that have been around forever, they're just a dream to work with. They're good people. Da, 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 da. And who knows? Maybe that's just Hollywood's way of, of saying that. But, um, you know, I, I do think that a lot of these problem people get uh, get booted out early and, and, you know, don't make it don't don't stay around very long. No, they don't. They don't. Yeah. Um, if unless you're really, really, really good. Yeah. You know, uh, there is just no tolerance for pains in the butt on these sets and things like that. And, and, and I, I can't say I witnessed anything, but I've heard some things about people that were just, they just said, all right, that's it. That's it. You know, we're just not having this anymore. And, you know, there's a lot of money invested in this. Really? 
you know um and, and truthfully i think it should have been out a lot done a lot more i mean that mess with charlie sheen at the end of two and mm -hmm. a half men you know um if if i was the producer of that show and he would have started that crap i would have killed his character and just moved on yeah well i think he was a you know? You know, big big part of that show like like they probably struggled with the idea of can they carry it without him like i I would watch it with them. And I've seen a few of them with the Ashton Kutcher one, but it's not the same, you know, right. not ironically, uh, uh, that show that, uh, Ashton Kutcher did with, um, that guy who's in jail now from that 70s show, uh, the ranch is what the show's called. Oh, and, right. And, uh, that guy, I don't know, he's doing something with kids or something. I don't know. But when he left, they tried to fill him with Dak Shepard and it's like, when you have a when you have a primary character in a show that's been on for a few seasons, it's hard to replace them. People get set in their ways, and like mm -hmm. you, know, you, you can't take Charlie out of that show because he's the show. You know, the right, brother, right. goofy brother and the dorky kid only goes so far. You mm -hmm. know, uh, Ashton Kutcher came in and, and it, it went for a few seasons after. You know, it was successful, but yeah, that's that's a good point. I, you know, but I, I think just the little bit that I've been involved with the voiceover world and actors and whatnot, it's different, you know, like it's, it's different, uh, you know, the, the mindset and the people it's, it's a different way of life, man. I, I watched a thing the other day with um, David Letterman and he uh, has that show. Uh, My next guest needs no introduction. Um, and he had Robert Downey Jr. on. And I had kind of always seen that Robert Downey Jr. was maybe, you know, he was a kid actor. He's always been in that life and whatever. And uh, and he actually seemed a little more human on on this particular show with David Letterman. Uh, but it was so interesting because he lives in this, he's got like acres on the shore in Malibu. And he has all these animals. And he's trying to make it seem like he's a little hobby farmer. And David Letterman's out there scooping up pig crap and whatever and He's like, you've never been down here, have you? And Robert Tony Jr.'s like, no, I don't, I don't know out here. I had nothing to do with it. This is a wife thing. And it's just like, it was so like appropriate to the, to the, what I, what I had imagined Robert Downey Jr. to be like, cause he's, you know, he's just never been in the real world. His, he's always, his parents were famous. He's famous. Mm -hmm. It's, it's really uh, an interesting thing. And to think that you're, you know, if you're going to meet Carol Kane somewhere, that's, you know, that's someone who's been through quite a few roles and quite a few different shows. I mean, what, a, what an interesting, you should get her on your show. I wish, I wish I'd love to get her on. I'd love to get her on, you know? Um, yeah. But the thing is, is like, and my point when it comes to this, you know, every band that I've been in over the years, every project that I've done, you know, the national ones, you know, on network television, um, the ones where, you know, um, you know, the bands I've been in every, everything that I've done, you know, I've done what was expected. I've given a hundred percent. Yeah. And you know, and, and, you know, what I just said about him, you know, it's just like, I just don't have patience for somebody who's not going to take it the same way I am. And if it's something that I can't dedicate myself to or something like that, I just won't do it. Right. I'll just say, look, I'll, I'll let somebody know up front. you know, um, I mean, sometimes people ask me, to come out for community theater and I don't have anything against community theater. I have a lot of friends in community theater and there are a hell of a lot of people in community theater that are very, very good, 
But what I say to people is that, you know, the fact that I have management now, I can get called to go to New York at any time. Yeah. And from where I live, New York is probably about a four hour trek. Philly's about an hour. Okay. And, you know, if my manager says to me, you've got to be in New York at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, that means I'm probably getting home around, you know, between four and six in the afternoon. I have to go do it. And there's no question about it. You know, that was the agreement that I have with my manager. Okay. If, you know, I have a lead or I have a big part in a community theater play, and then I get booked in something and I have to go do it. I have to go do it. And I would never, and out of respect, out of the respect I have for my friends that are doing community theater and putting together these productions, I would never do that to them. Right. The only time I would ever miss a performance or do anything like that is if I was laying dead in a ditch somewhere, or if I was in a car accident, or if there was, you know, a monsoon or something like that, where I just couldn't get there. Um, I would never, you know, and again, it's, it's out of respect for that project. It's not, you know, that, you know, doing a community theater show is beneath me or that, you know, just, you know, something like that, you know, time commitment, man. That's yeah. Huge commitment. It's Mm -hmm. not, you know, almost to the point where depending on the size of your role that you're acting on a TV show or in a movie, Mm -hmm. I mean, you can go on for months. Like you gotta, you gotta learn the whole thing. You gotta do that. And then you're running the show every night, you know, for four days in a row, you know, I mean, multiple shows, that's a huge commitment. People don't Mm -hmm. understand uh, what, what kind of time you have to allot to that for, to make it work, to make it fly. And yeah, that's, that's because I, I, I mean, you're that, yeah, that's interesting. Huh. Very yeah. interesting. But again, it's just out of respect to a fellow artist, you know, um, just out of respect to a fellow artist, you know, um, and I, and I've had people flake on me and I didn't appreciate it. Um, you know, luckily I was able to, to pull it off, you know, and able to get it done, but you know, I, I would, I just, you know, ethically, I was just not raised to behave like that towards other people and to treat other people's projects you know, like that, you know, I would never do that to somebody. So that's kind of, you know, th- th- that's my thing there. And then that's why I just don't do them just because of, you know, like I said, you know, um, I have to be ready to go at any time. And, and that's even the thing too, you know, whenever I book my own shows with the murder mystery, I always have a plan B. Yeah, I always have a plan B. How often does that happen where you get called and you got to go? Uh, it's really only happened once. Mm-hmm. It's really only happened once. Um, uh, and the thing is, it's like a lot of my murder mystery shows are on weekends. You know, sometimes like Friday, it can get a little risky, um, when it comes to scheduling and things like that. Cause I could get called up to go up there on a Friday or something could like, if something is shooting on a Friday, um, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I could let somebody know and somebody could fill in you know, all the actors in my company know all the parts that we do in these shows and everything. So it's not a problem to ask for a replacement or to grab somebody. Um, as a matter of fact, though, you know, when I, 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 I told you, I live in Maryland. Uh, when I filmed the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt last year, I had to go to Congress, New York, which is above New York city. It's almost in the Catskills. Okay. okay. So, um, I left that set at midnight. I drove all the way back to Maryland. Um, I got to my house at about five 
I slept for about three hours and I had to drive out to Cumberland, Maryland, which was all the way out in the Western panhandle of Maryland to do a murder mystery show. Show on. Yep. Yeah. Well, the thing, well, the thing was, was that too, was that, um, there was the possibility that the filming could go on into the next day into Saturday. I would have had to stay over and film the next day. So again, you know, I had all my people and I had a backup person say, look, you know, if, you know, this goes over, can you guys cover me? And I was keeping in touch with them whenever I get a break from filming or whatnot and let them know what was going on. And parts, man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You got to make it happen, brother. You got to make it happen. You're not doing that right now. Are you, can you still do those? Not right now. Um, everything is closed down because of COVID, you know, um, if you think about it, you know, the, the trains and boats and everything are just really moving Petri dishes. (laughs) Yeah, that's And, and, and plus the fact too, is that, um, we would have to do it in masks and you, you, you have to, you can't hear us. You know, it would be too muffled in masks and it just wouldn't work. Yeah. That wouldn't be good. No, I think I've done one of those once. Mm-hmm. I like dinner. It was like a dinner and mystery theater thing or something. It was interesting. I, um, I don't, I, I don't know if I could do it every weekend though, or multiple weekends. That's mm-hmm. to you. I, uh, I think I did it once. Yeah. That's cool. How long have you been doing that? Well, um, I got involved in it in 2016. I was doing a passion play at a church and I met, um, Herb Otter, Otter, um, productions was his company. He owned the company at that time. And we became friends doing the passion play. And then, um, I started performing with him for about two seasons and then um, he decided that he wanted to just do something else. And you know, he, uh, he split the company into two. Um, I got a couple of the venues and he gave a couple of the venues to somebody else. Okay. And then we started, I started the foul players of Perryville at that time. And then, you know, he started um, and then he went on and did his thing. But, um, and even, you know, the other company, uh, you know, JR productions, um, we work together all the time and we use a lot of the same actors to, you know, we work together. We're not like rivals or competitors or anything like that. Um, there are just certain, um, venues that are hers, which I'm not going to step on her toes. And there's some venues that are mine, but she performs with me. It's, you know, it's Jill Redding. She was actually in the wire season two. And, um, she played Dolores, the barmaid. Um, how cool is that? Yeah. Yeah. She's great. She's absolutely wonderful. Um, so, um, yeah, we, we, uh, you know, we use a lot of the same actors, um, and we talk all the time too. You know, she'll say, I have a show this weekend. I want to use, you know, him, him, her, her, and her, you know, and we just make sure that, you know, we don't overbook anybody and that we don't step on each other's toes when it comes to booking actors and things like that. So we work together very well, you know, she's wonderful and, we're good friends and everything here. So that's cool. I, uh, you know, I, 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 like I said, I've done it once and I've known there's a, the, the, you know, the it's, it's all over, you know, it's very popular, but you know, COVID thanks a lot. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I know COVID killed me this year, you know, when it comes to that. And it was just, I, uh, I lost a lot of shows and I also lost polar express because we were doing that on, um, for the Christmas season. Oh, really? 
Yeah. It was, uh, it was, we were doing it on a, on the train that we normally work on out in Western Maryland. And, um, that was a, uh, that's actually how I met Steve Joyner. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, uh, customer. Uh, well, here, here's what happened. Um, we, we booked the polar express on the Western Maryland scenic railroad and we had, um, Eddie Deason lives in Cumberland, Maryland. He's the actor who played the know-it-all kid. He was also Eugene in Greece. And he was the guy on the Ferris wheel with the mannequin in 1941. <laughs> yep. So, so he was the voice of the know-it-all kid in, um, the, uh, in the uh, polar express and I was Facebook friends with him. And, uh, I said, you know, um, the people were saying, does anybody know how to get a hold of Eddie Deason? Because they wanted him to come sign autographs because he was in the, you know, did a voice in the polar express. And I said, well, I, I kind of know him. So I sent him a, a, an email and he gave me Steve Joyner's contact information. And then I reached out to Steve and Steve went to the railroad and booked Eddie. And then we became friends after that. Looks like somebody that would have been in revenge of the nerds too. You know, something, there's an interesting story about that. And I've heard him tell this story. He actually, I think he said he auditioned for revenge of the nerds, but did not get it Oh, really? because they wanted, they didn't want somebody. And this was kind of mean for them to say to him but I've heard this in other interviews and I believe what the story was, was that they didn't want a real nerd. They wanted to dress an actor as a nerd. <laughs> Ouch. That's horrible. That's brutal. Isn't it? Yes, it is. Wow. You're too nerdy for revenge of the nerds. Yeah. Yeah. Looks like he's done plenty. He's not exactly living check to check. So yeah. Yeah. He's done a lot of things here. So, uh, a list. Wow. Yeah, well, Darren, you know, it, it's been great talking to you today here. You know, I've got a chance to get to know you and everything. Um, I'm going to have to wrap it up here in just a couple of minutes here, but could you tell us what's going on? What do you have coming up? You know, it's, this is your time to shamelessly plug For yourself sure. or whatever you have. We're doing more shows. We're, uh, we're trying to, to, to get to three episodes a week. Uh, but right now we're humming around two and, uh, you know, just really trying to, to bring a little a light uh, comedy to uh, this ugly 2020 season. Hopefully 2021 will be uh, a little bit brighter, but uh, get a good group together and, and we're, we're churning out shows and, and, and trying to make people laugh and forget about the, the mess for a little while. Also doing a lot of voiceover stuff. If anybody needs any voiceover stuff, you can find me at DarrenKBO.com. Otherwise the podcast is uh, the DK project podcast. Uh, email is dkprojectpodcast at gmail.com. Just Wonderful. reach out. We, uh, we're always looking for guests and we're always looking for uh, talent. If you can say that, talent. Absolutely. And so you can go to your main website and hear your podcast. Um, what other, uh, is it on like Apple and other ones too? Everything and anything you can, anywhere you can find a podcast, you'll find it. We're on our heart radio, Spotify. Uh, I got a little different contract than Joe Rogan did. Uh, but, uh, Spotify, we're on, uh, you know, Google, Google, uh, podcasts, Apple stitcher. Oh, there's so many of them. I don't even know anymore. I have, uh, my website lady just calls me, Hey, there's a new one. All right. Put us on there. And 
it's done. So yeah, we, uh, any, any Avenue you want, but the easiest way is to go to the, the, uh, the website and you could download episodes there. We've got, uh, I just recorded 132 today. So there's, there's 131 out there, uh, for your ears to listen to. Uh, so it should probably, if you start now, it would probably take you into the new year before you have to rinse and repeat. Right. So, right. Back to back to back to back. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, well, thank you so much for being with us. I've enjoyed having you. I've had a lot of fun speaking with you tonight and everything. And, uh, it's been great. So, um, make sure, you know, folks, you, uh, you know, tune in, uh, you know, to the DK project, listen to his podcast. If you need a good voiceover artist, make sure you hit him up yes. and thank you all for listening. We've listened to Darren K Meyer. Is that right? That's right. Darren K Meyer on foul players radio. And thank you for listening and have a great holiday. Thanks, man. <laughs>